This episode of Policing Matters is brought to you by Lexapol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I am your host, Jim Dudley. Well, Happy New Year, and I hope you're checking us out on the YouTube channel as well on Police One. And today we're going to be talking about accounting and budgets. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't turn off the podcast just yet. This is really important. Top to bottom in an organization How do we quantify policing in terms of workload and budget? Surely it isn't like a business where they figure on annual budgets based on the number of widgets they sell, how many sales are met, how many new products they created, or how many new offices or locations that they opened. It is different in policing. We don't base budgets on arrests or how many crimes we solved or how much properties recovered or citations issued, although I did write enough to earn a really good toaster one year. Just kidding. Uh, Dr. Shane, John Shane, is a former police officer and captain in his 20 years with the Newark Police Department, and he is now an author, and he is a professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice in New York City. He has authored several books and peer-reviewed papers on police practices, discipline, performance management, and the ABB, or activity-based budgets. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, welcome to Policing Matters, John Shane. Jim, thank you very much for the invitation. It's great to be here with you. Yeah, great talking with you and looking at some of the things that you've written. Really good stuff across the board on policing. You've got the background in policing, 20 years, captain at Newark PD, Tell us a little bit about ABB activity-based budgeting. How does it work? So this project began when I was working in the research analysis and planning division of the Newark Police Department, and that is the administrative arm of the police director's office. So anything that has to happen in terms of policy or analysis or research that makes the department function comes out of my office. And so we began to develop uh, workload models some years ago to determine how much work we were actually doing in the police department and quantify that. And when I started the research process on this, I noticed that there were a lot of proprietary models. There were a lot of extremely complex mathematical problems, word problems, computer programs that went into modeling workload. And I soon realized that it didn't have to be that complex. It did not have to get that scientific. It didn't require a PhD in mathematics or computer science to get this sort of stuff done. So what I did was I started working with the material that was already in the public uh, realm. And I developed a workload model that quantified the amount of work that police departments do. But then I took it a step further and I linked it to a budget. And by linking it to the budget, I was able to solve two problems with one model, and that is to quantify the workload so police executives and and operational personnel can get a sense of 
just exactly how much work is coming in on the reactive side. And if I know how much work I have on the reactive end, then I can plan for how much time I want police officers to have for their administrative work, such as coming in to do paperwork, meeting with the sergeant, attending community meetings, that sort of thing. And then I can also figure out how much time would be allocated for doing proactive work. Because police, as you know, policing is loaded with reactive calls for service. Well, there are things that we have at the precinct level that we want police officers to do other than answer calls for service. We want them to meet with community residents. We want them to meet with business leaders. We want them doing proactive work like car stops and directed patrols and vertical patrols. There's a whole host of things that we want our officers to do other than answer calls for service. The only way you can figure out how many officers you need to do that kind of work is to first identify a workload model. And that's what this ABB model does. The second thing you need to do is figure out how much it's going to cost to do that work. Because every time you increase the number of officers you want to do other things, it costs you something. You either have to take time um, away from some other area, which is a cost in time, or you have to come up with the financial funding to do it if you want to fund a, a given number of officers. So this model was created in Microsoft Excel. We've boiled away all of, of the technical issues that fall behind um, queuing theory and, and workload modeling to a very simplistic desktop application that any police department can use. They all already have the data in some form or fashion. Either they have it in electronic form or they have it in paper-based form. And they can plug that data into this model and get a complete workload model for all elements of their agency coupled with a budget so they know how much work they're doing and how much it's going to cost. It's an outstanding planning tool. Okay, so let me ask you first about data, and then I want to ask you about activity and how we can enhance activity once we know what we're going to quantify. But how does the data figure into ABB? That's a great question. There is a lot of data that comes into this, but it's not data that police departments don't have. They've already got this in some form or fashion. So the first thing that happens is it begins with a workload analysis model. And police departments are capturing this either in hard copy paper form through calls for service or, or CAD cards, as we would call them, or they're capturing electronically in a CAD and records management system. That data can be exported in a couple different fashions. Many modern CAD systems export it directly through Excel. You bring that model, um, you bring that data into this model, uh, and then you format it. And what I'd like to do is share with you what this looks like. And I'll come back to a couple different things. So this is how the workload model looks for conducting a patrol analysis staffing plan. So this is the data that you would need. And this is data that is easily identifiable in any police department. We know what kind of calls we're answering. We know how long it takes to answer those calls. We know how many calls we do every year, and we know how many officers go to each of these calls. This basic information right here 
is the foundation for this workload plan. And this is identified in number of hours. And we use hours as the unit of analysis because it's a much more discreet way to understand how time is being spent in a law enforcement agency. From that, we figure out how we're going to distribute our time, how much is going to be allocated to service demands, how much is going to be for administrative work, and then proactive work. And then you come up with another figure that discusses how many hours in a year you're going to need to handle this kind of work right here. And then we run through scheduling options, how many hours officers are scheduled. We have to account for supervisory staff, management staff, support staff. All of these things factor into the complement that's going to be out in the field, helping to understand that workload and, and answer those calls and do that work that you need. We then get into what's called relief factoring for every position that needs to be staffed 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there's a relief factor. So that this means that accounting for all of this time that police officers will be off in order to staff one radio car with one officer 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it takes 1.34 officers. Naturally, that fluctuates depending on how much time off people are granted throughout the year. We then final, have our final complement, and we know um, exactly how many people it takes to staff this patrol division in order to answer over 800,000 calls for service. Then we get into some of the budget materials. Now, this comes directly from your promulgated budget. Police departments have a budget right now in some form or fashion. Some places are using a performance-based budget. Some, uh, for the most part, are using a line item budget. And all you need to do is take these figures directly from that. And because the calculations in this model are already preset, all you have to do is plug this data in and it, and it gives you the salary costs. You then figure out the model will give you the rate per employee hour. You have to look at consumable supplies, things like pen, pens, paper, fuel, that sort of stuff for, for deploying officers out in the field. Then you also account for equipment costs, what it costs you to, to field this particular patrol division. And at the final model, what you've done is you've replicated here what you have at the top. And this is the activity-based budget. So this now accounts for all of the work you've done. You know you're going to do over 800,000 hours worth of work. You have your salary calculations. You have your materials. You have equipment, all of the unit costs. That sums into a total cost for every call for service. So I'm able to say, for example, if I'm looking at, let's, let's look at something here. Let's say, well, let's, let's say uh, burglaries. Every burglary takes me about an hour for a patrol officer to do. It's 3,215. We have two officers responding. That's a little over 6,400 hours of work spent on that. This is the cost for salary. Cost for materials, equipment, the overall unit cost. This means that it takes two officers 
to respond to a burglary costs $361 for every call that goes out. And you're spending about $1.1 million to handle burglaries. Mm -hmm. So John, John can, I, can I interrupt you there? So are, are we estimating or, or giving a rough estimate of what these calls would take? What happens when we get that foul ball burglary with three thousand pieces of evidence that you've got to account for and it's a it's an all-day event if not multiple days handling one burglary yeah that goes it's a great question and that goes into how you develop your model you have to have at least one year's worth of data to smooth out the trends that happen over the course of 12 months mm -hmm. three years worth of data is better because now you have a little bit longer time period five years is optimal because it really smooths out all the seasonal fluctuations. It's something in statistics that we call seasonality to be able to capture those anomalies that you're talking about. And, and then we use an average across those five years of all the things that you're talking about, the number of officers that respond, the number of hours that it takes to do it, the number of units that you're going to have per year, because that will smooth out those high points and low points to give you a better picture of how many officers you're gonna need over the course of 12 months to handle that volume. Now, there are instances where you have to make some managerial decisions about whether you're gonna be overstaffed at some point, and that means you're gonna pay a little bit extra because you're gonna have that body and you're gonna to have to pay salary and pension and benefits and everything else that goes with that. Or are you gonna be understaffed a little bit? And when you're understaffed, pay overtime. And now you don't have the body that you need, but you also don't incur the costs that come with the full-time body. You pay the overtime. Mm -hmm. And those are managerial decisions that this model will project to you to be able to show you, well, you're, look, you're running at about 5.5. Let's just, we're making up a number here. Let's say you needed 65.5 officers in patrol over the course of a year. What do you do with that half of an officer? Do you round up to take the full body and hire the next officer? Mm -hmm. Or do you round down and then leave yourself slightly short and pay overtime? And that, you know, that's a managerial decision that, that police departments will make with the chief executive and they'll go to their, their council and their mayor to figure out just exactly how much money they want to spend on those sorts of things. Yeah, so I would think that you need really strong leadership to explain this to a city council or an open public meeting for those who say, hey, wait a minute, uh, it should only cost X amount for this kind of coverage when they don't really understand. And, you know, when we talk about the variables, uh, like my example for that really complicated burglary or robbery or home invasion or multi-casualty incident or murder with three bodies and a house full of evidence that the public doesn't realize that inside baseball. And so we've, we've really got to take the pains to explain that when they talk about things like de-escalation, like why do some officers get involved in shootings? Didn't, why didn't they just de-escalate? Or like our own president said, why didn't we just shoot them in the arm or the leg? That sometimes it's really difficult for the public to understand some of those things are just not possible and then when we look at these, you know, complicated reports, well, we know, you know, the public loves to think about or talk about routine car stops or routine whatever. And you and I both know that we could just take 
routine out of the lexicon of police work because you know yeah. everything's a box of chocolates yeah you're making a great point and and i'll and i'll explain to you how this worked in real life <clears throat> police chief came to me from from uh, I, I don't really know if i i, I can I, I think i can use his name here um ken mclaughlin ken mclaughlin is uh the police chief in ocean view delaware and he had read some of the work that I did on activity-based activity based budgeting, the model that I created, and some of the work that I did in performance management. And he came to me with a, re a rather complex question that he was wrestling with. And he said, what I want to do is I want to increase my proactive time in the patrol division from 41% to 66%. How do I do that? And this model solves that problem. And so what we did was we modeled this for him to show him what the baseline was at 41%, what it looked like when we went to 66%, and all of the data that went behind it. It was his leadership and that of his command staff that brought this to the city council. I appeared before the city council to do a live presentation about the model and to explain some of the nuances that you're talking about. And we did get some pushback. We got things like, well, well, why do you talk about borrowing time from the reactive side and placing it in the proactive side? They got the sense that we were fiddling with the numbers, if you will. And we said, no, let's explain this. And that was the beauty of the way that this is set up in, in Microsoft Excel. I can make these changes and explain exactly what I'm doing and they can watch the live data change and I said, nobody's playing with anything. Nobody's fooling you with a sleight of hand here. What we're showcasing you is exactly how much time the police department spends on various things. And then they turned to the chief and they said, well, chief, what am I getting for my money? What is the return on this investment? We go from 41% to 66% proactive work. It's going to cost us, I think it was around a million dollars. And they hired uh, a couple more officers what am I getting for that? And that's when the chief was able to launch into his discussion about all of the proactive work that the community had wanted, uh, more visibility, more directed patrols, all, all sorts of things that he had planned. And the sale went through rather seamlessly. You know, the police department was able to increase their, their table of organization. They built up their patrol division. It worked extremely well and it worked so well that the entire state of Ohio now has me on their faculty for their executive management training. This model is presented to CLEE, which is the Certified Law Enforcement Executive Leadership Program for the entire state of Ohio. So that's how chiefs are embracing this model and bringing it to the command staff and then ultimately to the elected leaders to be able to say, this is how we've planned what we wanna do. Because the inevitable question, Jim, always comes up in police work. Well, how many police officers do we need? Well, how many you want? How many do you want to fund, and what do you want them to do? And that's what this model can give us. A lot of that, a lot of unanswered questions. Can, can yeah, talk. no, that that's great because I mean, oftentimes we hear city councils who know nothing about policing bring up other mm -hmm. models of span of control where you may have one officer per 100,000 residents and some with a ratio of one officer per 50 
or something like that. There's it's the disparity is huge. Yeah. And, and it's really I mean, you're talking about a component in addition to this budgeting system that that calls for strong leadership and someone to explain the nuances of policing. Yeah. And, and it's, what you bring up is a great point. That's something that I actually do in the training in Ohio. I explain that, first of all, there there is no per 100,000 capita number. There's no national standard. The IACP does not have one. Police Executive Research Forum does not have one. Nobody endorses one. I am part of the Police Staffing Observatory, which is run out of the University of Michigan under Jer Dr. Jeremy, Tra um, <clears throat> excuse me, Jeremy Wilson. And there is no such, there is no such number. But politically, it sounds great to be able to standardize and make those comparisons across jurisdictions. But the reality is, unless you know how much work you're doing in your own jurisdiction, you have no, you have no basis to make that comparison. And the per capita per 100,000 model does not give you that. This model will tell you exactly how much work is coming in on the reactive side and what we have allocated for other areas of work. That will give you a picture of how many officers you need, but that per capita number is really for political talking point and nothing more. It measures nothing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many variables in city by city. Why does the city with the exact same population have three times the amount of homicides or four times? I mean, I often compare San Francisco to Baltimore and the differences in demographics and poverty scale and employment and education, the, the justice system, all of that has to do with crime rates. And so to just say that, hey, Baltimore has 300 cops, you guys should have 300 cops, just doesn't make sense. We fight that battle constantly. Hey, can you switch over to the pie chart for uh, my next question? Yeah, sure. So one, once this is all laid out, Jim, what you'll see is you'll get um, a final budget number. And that is exactly what we're talking about here. This is what we call the budget recap. Now you can see all of the data laid out from the entire model. So this model accounts for patrol, investigations, your communications division, traffic, prisoner processing. And once you build out the model, you can see where your money's being spent, how police officers are being allocated, what your productivity measures are, your performance indicators here, and then just exactly how there's a distribution of data and personnel across the agency. Mm -hmm. That's why this is so flexible because in Microsoft Excel, you need a basic understanding of how Excel works and how spreadsheets work. All of the all of the, the formulas are captured already for you. So you just plug in your data and then it builds out this final product. That's what makes this so nice. Yeah, so again, with the variables, prevention is something that every law enforcement agency aspires to do. They want to keep crime down, prevent crime rather than make than show an arrest, right? That's an arrest right. is quantifiable. Prevention is not. And we know from so many studies and evidence-based examples, pop policing, problem-solving policing. My friend Jason Potts, the director in Las Vegas, 
has done some studies where he's, you know, had a marked radio car with lights on go through a shopping center parking lot where they experienced a high volume of auto break-ins, did a controlled study, three days a week did one thing, three days a week did nothing, and showed, you know, the the comparison that that there was a prevention, a, a drastic prevention aspect to his study. And we've seen those, and we've we've talked to suspects in homicides and robberies who say they had planned to do a crime, but when they saw the radio car or a police officer, that they turned and went somewhere else or or shut it down for the day. So we know prevention efforts are huge. Sometimes when we're stretched thin, we can park a radio car, a cruiser at a stop sign or you know location during a specific time period that we use for preventative measures. Do we quantify those things as well? Not to that degree in this model. I know what you're talking about, and it makes great sense. And, and, I, and I buy into what you're talking about, that sort of experimental and control model. There's no question. I, I, I buy into that wholeheartedly. That, that goes beyond what we're talking about in this model. Here, what we're doing is we're actually setting up the framework to be able to do those sorts of things. If you want to do more proactive work, which is parking that radio car, doing that walk and ride, doing a vertical patrol or directed patrol, then we need to know exactly how much time you want to spend throughout the course of a year doing. That's what this model will set up for us. But getting to the experimental point, that, that's a leap forward. What we would do here is we would lay out in, in, in a planning model how much time we want our officers to spend throughout the course of a year doing those sorts of things you're discussing. And then we can quantify that. And then we, from there, we can make the leap into doing that experimental condition. Okay, so great example of the spreadsheet. It's in Excel. It's available to any police agency. And in our show notes, we've got a link to uh, your contact and your model and how uh, an agency can take a look at that and introduce activity-based budgeting in their agency. But let me ask you this. So we use uh, ABB for a couple of years and we really hammer our crime and we bring it down. We prevent criminal activity. Aren't we then just sabotaging our own future budgets by being so efficient? Well, not necessarily, because what you're going to be able to do is use that model and produce a series across time, a series of models to show what the return on your investment has been. And this is, it's a great point that you make because this is something that actually came up in a discussion I was having with uh, a member of the London Metropolitan Police Department over, over the summer when I was over there um, showcasing this model and doing some work, um, work with them. And they said to me uh, roughly the same sort of thing. The, the, the elected leaders and the appointed leaders in the police department want to know if I give you this much money, what do I get for it? If if crime is down, do you still need this much money? And the Home Office questions that repeatedly. And that becomes a value judgment about what you want the police officers to do. If you're satisfied with the amount of time they've spent reducing crime, and we know what we need to do to, to bring that crime down, 
Let us continue to do that at these funding levels. And every time you enter that discussion, you're always going to get into that sort of uh, political balance about, well, can we reduce the budget a little bit? Maybe we were at, let, well, just for discussion purposes, we're at you know 65% proactive time. Can we bring it down to 63% and still get the same bang for our buck? Well, you can model that out. And it'll tell you how, many, how much time you're going to need to do those things and then monitor that over the course of the year. I've, I've yet to see any uh, elected official, particularly you know, the city council, say to a police chief, you're doing such a good job. We're going to slash your budget because we don't we don't want that many cops out there. I've yet to see that happen. I'm sure you're around in 2020 where a lot of city councils said exactly that, that we want to defund and give the monies to other agencies, you know, community-based oh, organizations. Yeah, of course, no question. But for much more social conditions rather than performance-related conditions. In the sure. Yeah, because you also saw what happened. Crime skyrocketed once that once they took the police away. Right, right. And now they're scrambling to 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 do it, you know, in the in the other way. I had a discussion uh, over the summer with uh, the Oakland Police Department about my model and building out uh, an activity based budget uh, and workload analysis plan for Oakland because of of those very conditions. Yeah, yeah. Oakland is another podcast in itself. They haven't had a, a police chief, a, a full-time police chief in 11 months. And they've gone through, I think, something like 15 chiefs in, in 15 years. And, and that's a recently that they that they eliminated the, the, the three candidates were that were brought to them. Yeah. Back to uh, square one. Yeah, that that's that doesn't bode well for the planning process. And all the things that we're talking about here require that leadership that you're discussing, that that internal champion to understand what's going on in the organization and how many officers we need, what do we need to do to wrestle, you know, crime, wrestle control of crime here in the, in the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to talk about implementation yep. and, and the steps, but first I'd like to take a quick moment and thank our sponsor. Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly, serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals in over 8,000 agencies and municipalities. Lexapol offers a range of solutions that includes policies, training, behavioral health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire and rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. And we're back, and I'm speaking with Dr. John Shane, former police captain. He is an author and professor at John Jay College in criminal justice. So how do we figure in on all the other factors? Uh, we talked a little bit about it when comparing... San Francisco to Baltimore, we can compare San Francisco to Oakland or any two cities, the economy, jobless rate, mass murders, public reaction to an event. Maybe imagine a pandemic that would affect the entire world. How do those how do we figure in those kinds of variables? 
So there's a couple things that happen. <clears throat> the, the model is intended to already account for the variables that you're talking about. When a city is designed and people move into this city and they start to become acculturated to the town uh, and you have natural variability in terms of ed educational attainment, employment levels, poverty levels, all of those factors, those social conditions are built into the workload that the police are going to encounter. And because it's already intrinsically built in, it's almost a natural experiment with the way that the data models itself. Because we know that there are going to be impoverished communities that rely more heavily on the police. And we know that the police are gonna do proactive work in certain areas in reaction to crime that is a product of those conditions. So the reactive workload that you're going to, to observe already has those things intrinsically built in. And as you model out your, 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 your workload, you will see how those things fluctuate over the course of time. The pandemic was clearly something that was off everybody's radar. That I think that was such an anomaly that you, you couldn't plan for that. You, you wouldn't be able to say to yourself, we're going to set up, uh, you know, here, here's a small town in New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Iowa, and we're going to model out our police agency and we're going to go about our business. And then suddenly a pandemic hits and now you find yourself understaffed. I don't know that anybody could plan for such an event like that. Again, you know, on the other end, you take the New York City Police Department, biggest police department you know, in the country, of course, and they were overwhelmed on 9-11 because it was such an anomaly that they had a difficult time planning for it, obviously, and then responding to it. They did well, but there was an awful lot of mutual aid that went into that sort of thing mm -hmm. because it was such an, uh, an outlier, such an extraordinary event. And the reality is you could plan for certain things. I think your point was more realistic about you know, that, that one-off burglary or that one-off robbery or that crime scene that takes much longer to process than ordina uh, ordinarily. Those are the things that you can plan for when you've got three, four, five years worth of data because they're going to come up. And, and you know they're going to come up maybe, you know, once every six months or once every eight months. So they're going to be embedded in that reactive data. And if you know that they're in there, you can plan for that and you can build that out. The pandemic, clearly another issue. Yeah, absolutely. And so what's been the reaction of chiefs that have that you've talked to and you've implemented the activity-based budgets? I know in some agencies, if you introduce a new program or product, some chiefs will say, okay, we check that box, let's go on to something else. And maybe they don't give it the kind of infrastructure and attention that's needed to make it succeed. What's what's it been like in your experience with chiefs who've taken a look at ABB? Yeah, and again, another great question about you know implementation and internal champion for the model. And the reality is there's a little bit of everything that you just talked about. Overall, the reception has been fantastic. Um, like I said, the entire state of Ohio has now adopted it. To get to the point where we are, where I'm now delivering the training, I went through a series of interviews and discussions with chiefs <clears throat> who run the CLE program. 
they were the first ones to buy in and, and to actually say, yeah, this is a terrific planning tool. Then when I moved into the training portion, which was delivered in November of 23 for the first time, there was a mix of people in the audience. So we, we went from chiefs all the way to, to sergeants in various side agencies, from Cleveland, who's the big player on the block, to Columbus, to a, a series of smaller agencies. And the reception was overwhelmingly positive. The reviews from the training were, were, were fantastic. I, I was surprised that they were that interested and that hungry for that kind of thing. Then we moved into the next phase, which was we, I delivered the training. They, they, they had the model. Now they had to go back to their agency, pull their actual agency data, put it together into a project that, that I evaluated. Overwhelmingly, they were strong. There were, there were a few that really didn't understand it. And there was some of that, well, look, we use the line item budget here. We don't want to task everybody with doing a separate budget because it's not going to go anywhere. And I thought to myself, well, you use the line item because it is your legal obligation to use that. But if you use this model as a planning tool and you bring the results of this model to your elected and appointed officials, you can then say, this is what it looks like in my line item budget. Here's what it looks like after we modeled it and, and described for you how much time we need and how many officers um, we need to, to, to do this work, then you can affect your line item budget. And you can you can bring about change. You can stimulate change. The, the line item budget doesn't do any of that. It simply says, here's a line for pencils and pencils cost X. It doesn't tell you what the work looks like behind the scenes. Mm. And, and so that's where I was trying to sell them on the planning side of implementation. But the reality is overwhelmingly strong reception, and there are a few that are still dabbling in it. Right now, our next move in, in Ohio, uh, I'm working with a law enforcement agency right now, is to roll it out within the county because they were they loved it so much that they they went to their this one particular sergeant went to his chief. The chief loved it and said, "Let's get this out to the county police chiefs association." Uh, and that's where we stand now. So we're going to roll this out in this county with a little bit more intensive training uh, right right in the county. So it, it's coming along really, really well. That's great. And so moving from cities to counties, uh, you talked about you know NYPD, huge organization, right? 54,000 cops or something like that. How can a smaller agency without the infrastructure use activity-based budgets can a small town maybe a, you know half the agencies in america are under 50 people so what if what if i'm a chief of a 10-person agency can i use activity-based budget the, the answer is absolutely unequivocally 100 and when i designed this model originally in newark now newark is you know by national standards it's, it's a relatively big big city at the time, we had about 1,600 police officers. There was roughly 300,000 people in the city, so relatively big place. But when I designed this model, I said to myself, to, to generalize and to, to have validity beyond the city of Newark, it has to be adaptable to most police departments, which are not the size of Newark or Cleveland or L.A. or New York. I knew that going into this. 
And when I delivered this model to the chiefs in Ohio, they were they, they said, this is perfect for us because I, I used large numbers only for illustration purposes, but they had 10 member agencies, 15, 20 member agencies. One of the bigger places was, was Cleveland, of course, but there were most of the organizations were 10, 15, 20 officers and they plugged in the data and it worked seamlessly. And, and that's because the reality is police work is the same across all sorts of organizations. It's just different scales. And the domestic, the, 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 the car chase, uh, the gunfight, if it's going to happen, if it happens in a small place or a big place, bullets still fly at the same rate and people still fly off the handle during a domestic dispute at the same rate. And my, my point is, is that workload is relatively generalizable. And once you start to plug in the data for a smaller organization, just like I did in, in, in Ocean View, Delaware, they were a, a 12 member, well, they were 10, they were 12 members at the time. They went to 14 and it worked seamlessly. That's great. Yeah. A lot of agencies can use the model, especially when going up for their annual budget review and, and. I mean, to me, it, it almost sounds like similar to Comstat, right? The first iterations of Comstat, where you had your chiefs yeah. and captains going before boards and explaining why crime is high or crime's low or, or some of the issues that they're having. You know, I was told as a, a young captain coming up through my organization to never say at a public meeting or hearing that we didn't have enough cops. And so... What else can you use to show why you're not solving crime or preventing crime? So another, you know, great arrow in the quiver of quantifying police work and justifying budgets and personnel. I think it's I think it's a great model. Thanks for sharing today. And in our show note links, we have your full bio, how to contact you and how to take a deeper dive into activity-based budgets. What else is uh, new for you? Are you writing anything new about this or other subjects? Yeah, so this is actually going to be the subject of my next book. The work that I did in Ocean View, Delaware, I'm working with the chief now, and I, I'll be on sabbatical through the remainder of 24 into 25. I'm writing this up in, in a book by Rutledge, who picked up on everything that I was doing, and they said, we want to showcase this. And I said, well, I've got the agency for you. And I'm writing this up to be able to really dig deep into the socio-political structure of Ocean View, what the thinking and the leadership style was of the chief at the time, how he was extraordinarily progressive in his thought and said to himself, well, how do I get from 60, excuse me, 41% to 66%? How do I answer that question and, and I want to walk everybody through that. And, that, and that's what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm glad you asked the question. It's the subject of a book that I'm doing. It'll probably be out sometime in 25, but it's really going to drill down on, in a case study about how police chiefs and command staff members across any size organization in the United States or internationally can pick up this book, look to a small agency and say, if they did it, we can do it. We need to scale it up. Let's look at the model and let, let's understand how it worked. So yeah, that, that's where I'm headed with it. 
Awesome. Well, thanks for the work you've done here and, and all the other law enforcement issues that you've been working on and writing about. Appreciate your time today, Dr. John Shane. James, thank you for the invitation. Thanks again. Have a pleasant afternoon. Thank you. My pleasure. Hey, to our listeners, let me know what you think and check out the links below and take a look through the activity-based policing concept, activity-based budgeting for policing. And uh, it's not, I, I mean, as, as a cop, I know I shy away from mathematics. I shy away from spreadsheets, but uh, even uh Newer officers, younger officers in an organization, sometimes you're put in a position where you've got a steep learning curve and you got to jump in there with both feet. So it's if it's not at your agency, it's probably on its way to your agency. So get familiar with it and drop us a line at policing matters at police1.com. Let me know what you think. That's policing matters at policeone.com. All right, stay safe, take good care, and I hope to talk to you again real soon.